That's how it starts. The fever, the rage, the feeling of powerlessness that turns good men cruel. Welcome, I'm Andrew Dice. And I'm Stephen Colbert. And this is Batman v Superman by the minute. As listeners know, we have arrived at minute 92. This is a special honor. Yes, the bomb has just gone off in the Capitol. Yes, things are going very bad for Superman. But most importantly, we are beginning this minute mid-horse. We get, finally, we get to stretch a, a horse symbol across two minutes of the podcast, so I think that's a first. This horse rearing up right in front of Lois, signaling both death, very literally and in a more figurative sense, like I think we had talked before that it, it marks a, a shifting point in the movie, like a, a change in direction. Yeah, it, like literally it's it's downhill from here. And I think something that we didn't discuss with the other horse appearances that has come to my attention, this is actually an urban myth, but there is there's supposedly a symbolism or code with horse right. statues. I think specifically at Gettysburg, but really like anywhere where uh, there's a hoof raised on the horse, then it means that the rider was wounded in battle um, and may have died. If two hooves are off the ground, then the rider did die. And if all four feet are on the ground, then if all, all the hooves are on the ground, then it means that, you know, it was peaceful or the rider survived or whatever. And an, a like objective analysis was like, oh, no, these hooves are just up and down and all over the place arbitrarily. But Zach kind of loves his urban myths <laughs> um, as a part of like mythology. In the same way that, like, I always, I always, always comes to mind in Watchmen how uh, he has Neil Armstrong say, "Congratulations, Mr. Gorski," oh, yeah. which is an urban myth, but it's such a cool thing to stick in there. So I can kind of see him tapping into this. But obviously, with this horse, if we're gonna reference the horse code, two hooves are off the ground. I think it's it's very clear uh, the rider did die in battle. Quite a few of them. If we're talking about the the symbolism here, who's the writer, right? We've got Paul Revere, and that was June Finch, right? That's literally yeah. the, the direct comparison that that Lex made, and so Paul Revere is no more. June Finch is is vaporized along with everyone in the Capitol, but Superman. She died in battle, which I think is a, is a nice way of looking. Yeah. It, despite how the the final moments were of terror, we talked about it was in the fight for something. Sadly. We go from this rearing horse, the shot that we knew was coming, and I think in the seconds that followed the explosion, you were able to anticipate Superman in the midst of the explosion, unmoved, uh, crying, obviously, because he, thanks to his superpowers, has witnessed this horrifying thing in probably the worst possible way you could it's uh, it's hard for me to want to dive into this more because I feel like it it's so pregnant with meaning that there isn't dialogue. The music backs it up. You are just supposed to be right in this moment with Superman. And I feel like I was from the first time. Yeah, I think it, the, the fact that he's like the indestructible man standing in the midst of chaos is I mean, like you said, it's almost like you can't the, the visuals on the screen say it almost more perfectly than we can put into words. Like we can explain it, but it's just going to sound sound dumb <laughs> to me. Like what it means is he's fine, but nobody else is. Uh, yeah, it's like I, I do try to read his feeling and and the 
I have to think that he has to be thinking, if I hadn't arrived here, this wouldn't have happened. He's probably not even thinking of who did it or, you know, the the motivations or anything like that. It's just this happened because I did answer the call. Yeah. And because I did trust in people, I put all of these people in harm's way and now they're dead. Yeah. I feel like if this were a comic book, you would have the panels leading up to it and the bottom right corner of the second page is going to be June reading like Granny's Peach Tea or like seeing the explosion start. And then you turn the page and it's just a double spread of this with no dialogue, no thought bubbles, no text boxes. None needed. Yeah. Head hung. Yeah. I guess this is the, that is Clark's moment. We don't need to go into it. I mean, I, I think Cavill and, and Snyder and everyone involved in this gets the point across and perfectly. Hans Zimmer. Oh, my God. Just a reminder of what else is happening here. We cut to Bruce Wayne. The This is the final stroke, I guess, in driving Superman onto this path that Lex has. Now we see his last step for Bruce, which is Bruce looking down at a newspaper article that is the original disaster in Metropolis, the ruins of his building, saying dozens killed taking him right back to where he was having watched this explosion in real time with the words, famously, you let your family die. Scrawled across them saying that Bruce was to blame then and that he does the rest, I think, in saying that he is to blame now for not doing, maybe was ever so much resisting when doing when he hit the brakes. Yeah. Uh, hearing Alfred's voice, I hesitated and now I've let these people die too. Right. Well, in the same way that Superman is standing in that explosion, thinking it's his fault that everyone was there. Yeah, Bruce is thinking it's his. It's my fault. I didn't kill him because it's his fault. Right. Right. Um, Oof. And and it's that's one of those moments where you you start to look at kind of Lex's scheming and wondering, like the timing of that works out just perfectly. And is that kind of artistic license? Or do we think that Lex had a hand in making sure that that was what Bruce had in his hands when the explosion <laughs> happened? Or obviously the timing it couldn't be more perfect to to trigger his PTSD simultaneously with something similar ha- um, happening. I, don't, I know that obviously Lex intended something very similar to that. The question is, did he intend for it to work so perfectly? Or did circumstances just kind of work out so that it was the the highest possible impact moment for that to happen. Yeah, I guess it isn't spelled out later, but it's kind of between the lines that Lex knows trauma. Uh, Like Lex understands that. I I think there is real, really satisfying uh, narrative. You could depict this in a really cool way of Bruce's mother being shot, slamming headfirst into the Black Zero slamming headfirst now into the just picking up speed that something is going to happen that is going to force him to act and i think it is no coincidence that we saw you know it's this this not trick but this tool that's being used in the movie is bruce staring up in the sky looking at superman and then music cut to black and now we have bruce reading looking at the tv cut to black in a way, if you look at what just happened and people died and there was an, you know, the capital was destroyed or heavily, heavily damaged, 
there's a huge um like a huge violent impact of this but also it eliminated all of the like the intermediaries or the oh yeah so so whereas before you had this situation and Finch was seeking the truth, right? And even even Wallace Keefe, in a way, was seeking truth, right? They were actually like... Alfred was in the middle, too, trying to hold Bruce back. Yeah, and then in one fell swoop, now Finch is gone, Wallace is gone, Bruce is triggered, Superman feels responsible. Oh, what would you call it? The moderation provided by someone like Finch. Oh, the, yeah, the things that were like tempering. The Bruce tapping the brake, Finch saying, let's, ho- let's have a committee, let's... Yeah, all of those things are just gone. And now it's Batman and Superman and Lex is all, you know, there's nothing in between them now. I'll say that's it's a potent first like 40 seconds <laughs> of this minute. And then the last bit we shift to Superman descending, taking somebody out of the Capitol. And I will call out if there's a character in this movie who was like most the audience or, or most me, I'll say that I feel like is, is my way into the story. It is this paramedic played by Jason Hughley or Jason Hughley just is like, like I uh, need to, uh, I need a little room. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't actually need you here. And I don't know if I should talk to you. Uh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for bringing this person here. But I do think that that character and, and what happens after that sets up the next minute where if Clark felt important and felt that there was a reason for him to be here, then the bomb made that a bad reason. Well, and, and and like you said, with the paramedic, just imagine being in the spot where it's like, how do you tell Superman that he's not useful? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I literally, you're in my way now, but you want to be, you want to be a little, every party needs a pooper. <laughs> and as, as, as like horrible party as this is, uh, you just want to talk about the Cape effects. Don't you? I, I don't want to talk about it for a long time. I just always thought it was interesting here. How, Snyder's cape effects are so painterly and and artistic and um and make sense and this is just the one moment where it's a little bit the way he drops and the cape I don't know the descent does not match the 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 cape rising with the wind resistance at all and it's so short it doesn't really matter but it's just one of those moments that's like oh that's rare I think maybe calls attention to just how good they are the rest of the time that in this one moment it's like that doesn't make any sense that's why they did it <laughs> exactly to just <laughs> yeah to make draw to show it. it's about sending a message just go listen to a bit of that Hans Zimmer and then just move on to the next minute because that will be all we have for minute 92 if you've made it to minute 92 you are probably already following us on Twitter at BVS by the minute and at Snyder minute and finding all our podcasts and all our fun stuff on Facebook at Snyder minute or at Snyder and possibly even following us, especially after this brilliantly insightful minute, uh, supporting what we're trying to do at patreon.com slash Snyder minute, because you need this kind of just nitty gritty, deep dive analytical discussion of Superman look real good. Fire look nice, but bad. Do you have anything else to say about this minute? No, I don't think so. It's I think that you kind of hit the nail on the head when you said it's it's um I don't remember the words that you used now, but it's it's almost disrespecting the Superman and the fire moment to try to describe it. Let's force this into words. Uh yeah. Like it's, I feel like this yeah. minute would be so much more appropriate to just like listen to that Hans Zimmer tune and and like hear the crackling fire for thirty seconds more would do more than us trying to describe the emotion. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so let's, uh, let's do that. 
the fake capes are coming. <laughs> the fake capes are coming. I was very brief with that, and I and I mentioned that no, it was already too much. <laughs> People are going to be like, "Cable's fine to me." <laughs> you guys are supposed to be pro. <laughs> yeah, you guys are supposed to be, to be fans. fans. I thought you liked this movie.